So we are talking again this week uh, on the subject of healing and faith in God. And we're going to start with uh, Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, awesome passage of scripture. And um, it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I want to ask you a question to start with, and that is, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? You know, you could be trying to please, I could try to please my wife. Sometimes that's easy, and sometimes that's not easy. Right? Are you trying to please yourself? Sometimes that's easy to please yourself, and sometimes it's not easy to please yourself. Like, um... Pastor Dwayne, he tells, I don't know where he got this. I should ask him sometime, but he tells about uh, this guy that had some Limburger cheese right here on his mustache. And, you know, he got up and he said, you know, man, honey, what, what are you cooking? It stinks in here. And um, he goes into the other room to get away from the nasty smell. And he's like, man, it stinks in here too. And he thought, man, I'm going to go outside the house. This whole house stinks. So he goes outside and he's like, Man, the whole world stinks. Because he had this Limburger cheese right here on his mustache. And sometimes we find that um, we can't even please ourselves because, uh, you know, the whole world stinks. Because really our attitude stinks. We have something ourselves that we're like holding on to and we're refusing to let the Lord in in that part of our life, let the Lord deal with that thing because uh, somehow your flesh thinks that you can do better than God can do. Right? Your flesh is like, well, no, I'll take care of this really, really. It's, this, is, this is either too insignificant or it's too big of a deal to give to God, so I'm going to take care of it because I'm so awesome. Uh, that's what our thinking becomes. And we realize, man, without God, you know, we can't conquer even the smallest thing. But with God, nothing's impossible. There is nothing that is impossible with God. So... Even if you're talking of something, a physical problem in your body, a sickness or disease, or in uh, one of your family, one of your friends, one of your coworkers, nothing is impossible with God. And so we see Jesus come on the scene after thousands of years, and the Jews had lived or endeavored to live according to the law, according to the Jewish law. Jesus comes on the scene, and he comes really to show what God's like. He comes as God in the flesh. He comes as God wrapped in a body, just like you're wrapped in a body, I'm wrapped in a body. He comes so we can see like what a perfect man would live like. And uh, we learn in Colossians that he, when he came, he came as a man. He didn't come as God. Uh, the, main, the major difference between him and you or him and me is he was without sin. And he was uh, conceived in Mary's womb of the Holy Spirit not of the seed of a man. And so he came as a sinless man to really fix everything that we had messed up or that Adam had messed up and and make it right. But he came to show the will of the Father. And so the first thing you really need to know about healing, the first thing I need to know about healing in order to live a healthy um, life and to receive healing or to minister to someone that needs healing is we, we really need to know that it's God's will for healing to take place in your life, in my life, in the life of someone else. Because if I don't know that it's your will, um, if I don't know that it's Joe's will uh, to give me $5, then I'm not going to expect him to give me $5. (laughs) Right? If you don't know that it's uh, my will 
for you to come over to my house and visit, you're, you're not going to come over to my house and visit. You're not going to ask me, well, where's your house at? Well, how, how would I get to your house? And, you know, what's the best time of day with traffic and with the new metro system going crazy? Like, what's the best time to come to your house? Right? Um, so you have to know what God's will is. And when you look at the life of Jesus Christ and everything that he did, he went preaching, teaching, and healing everywhere. One of my uh, favorite gospels to read concerning healing is the gospel of Matthew. And when you look at Matthew, if you have some time, some extra time sometimes, sit down and highlight every place that said, he healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. And you'll find like page after page, chapter after chapter, that he healed them all. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 1. We'll, go, we'll read some of those in Matthew in a, a little bit here. But let's start out with Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. And it's talking about the leper that came to Jesus. And we'll read 40 to 45. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. So here the leper came. Jesus came on the scene. Never a man spoke like this before. Never a man lived like this before. And um, so this man probably had heard about Jesus. He knew he had something. And he said, you know, I know if you're willing, you can heal me. So what I'll, all I need to know is, are you willing? The rest, like, do you have the power to heal? He apparently believed he had the power to heal. But he said, are you willing? If you will, you can make me well or make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, uh, put forth his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. So it's like the most simple answer, sure, I'm willing. But not only that, he was moved with compassion. And we talked, you know, we started talking about having kids and it's amazing. Like, can you imagine if you had a little kid or a grandkid um, or if you don't have kids, if you had a, a very young person like that come to you and say, you know, my finger's caught in the door. Will you help me get it out? Jesus is like, oh, you don't even, you don't even know what God's like. You don't even know what I'm like. I have such compassion and it just welled up within him. He's like, of course I'm willing. And uh, that's what I want for you. And I know my own children, when you have times when they're like, maybe they want to, believe it or not, my children are stubborn sometimes. I don't, it must be from the mother. <laughs> it couldn't be from the father. And so they, so they, um, you know, they're like resisting, resisting. I'm like, you know, please let daddy help you. You know, I, I, no, daddy, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I'm like, you know, okay, when you're done, then I'll be right here. <laughs> and, you know, but when my children look and say, Daddy, will you help me with this? You know, would you like me to have this? And I'm like, oh, of course I do. And so Jesus, you know, he's coming on the scene and, you know, he fellowships with the Father. In fact, so much that he says, the only thing he talks about and the only things he does are what he sees God do. So he gets in the presence of God and sees what God wants, what God's will is for your life, for my life. And he still does the same thing today for you that he did way back then. He hasn't changed, and he doesn't change. And so he's saying, he's just chomping at the bit. I mean, he's like got all the answers, and he is God able to physically touch you, able to physically touch them. So he must have been so excited when this leper came to him and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's the other, one of the other keys that we talked about last week is uh, when you are trusting God for something, if you believe what God said, in other words, if you're acting in faith, then 
you're going to say, um, this is for me right now. And that's one way you know, like, am I trusting God in this area? Uh, and the other is, of course, that you, you have a, a note of victory or a note of praise or thanksgiving or you're happy. So if you look at, um, you know, I've had times when I have, uh, like, had a cold or a flu and prayed and uh, nothing happened. And I've had times when I had a cold and flu and prayed and it immediately left. And I've had times when I had a cold or a flu and I prayed and it began to amend, like it started to leave and got better and better and better. And so in those times, you experience different things. <laughs> and so I've had times when I went to pray and command that nasty sickness to get off my body. And, uh, but I was like uh, defeated before I started, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, oh, you got to go, you know, <laughs> you got to go in Jesus' name. Not really like full of faith about it, not really trusting God. Just like, I don't want this thing to be like on my body and I don't understand why it is and getting more mental really than just trusting God. And it's, uh, for me at least, it's easy to do that if you get, you start thinking about it too much and start analyzing it. And, you know, I was a very good intelligence analyst. So I can tell if you're smart. No, not that kind of intelligence. It was like uh, spy intelligence. But I was good at what I did and had a good time. But part of that is uh, somehow in my makeup, I, I naturally analyze things. And so you can use uh, the natural giftings that the Lord has put in you for uh, good to help you or for bad to hinder you. Yeah. So for instance, like if you want to analyze something, um, you've heard of meditation is like worrying. Worrying is the opposite. It's like negative meditation. And then positive meditation is really thinking on, on the right things. So you'd find healing scriptures, scriptures that promise you what you're uh, believing that you have. And uh, then you start thinking about those and rolling those over. Or you could be like, man, I prayed before and I was still sick, so that's probably going to happen this time. And, you know, what, what am I going to do? I might not have this. I might not have that. And all of a sudden, before you realize what's happened, you find out that you're working for your healing. You're working for something that Jesus worked for, that Jesus paid for, that Jesus actually already took care of every little detail in it, but you're trying to accomplish it. And um, uh, the Lord said to Pastor Mark Hankins one time, he said, uh, you be the believer, I'm the performer, right? So all we have to do is believe God. And what does believe God mean? It's just we're trusting that what he said is true, uh, that what he said will come to pass. I want to read again uh, Romans chapter uh, 4, verses 4 through 10 in the Message Bible, which I read last week. The earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready to, for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to, give, uh, to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of fine print in the law code. But trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It is the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and sets things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say that the welcoming 
uh, excuse me, say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. I love this translation. It's like, (laughs) stop making it so complicated. Just embrace the same thing that God did in Jesus. Look, he showed, like, this is what I'm going to do in you. He is the firstborn of a whole new species of being. Uh, Never existed before. He's the firstborn. He came. He went through hell itself to get it for you. Um, So you're embracing what he did in him. Um, You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Isn't that awesome? And so it takes all of the labor out. And that's why in Hebrews, we, we even talked about it in giving time, that we, believe, we that believe do enter into rest. And so if you're working at your healing, uh, you're not trusting God. Okay? If I'm working at my healing, I'm not trusting God. When we trust God, we enter into rest, and there's actually a joy. So we talked last week, you may see... Um, a healing line, how many have never seen a healing line? Okay, so most people have seen a healing line. So you may see like someone come up, or maybe you have come up to a healing line, had hands laid on you, or seen someone with hands laid on them, and if the first thing you do, or the first thing that person does, is check to see like, do I still have the condition, then uh, you may not be trusting God. You could be. Um, it's not necessarily bad to check. You know, in fact, I encourage people, if you're trusting God, like faith is now. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But that says faith is the stub substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? When you have hands laid on you to receive healing, that means that you believe you receive when hands are laid on you. So it really doesn't matter if you see an immediate change or not. You know that what you're trusting God for is accomplished and is done. In other words, you know, actually, as a New Testament believer, as a Christian, you already have been healed by what Jesus did on the cross. And I already have been healed by what Jesus did on the cross. And many times what the laying on of hands is, or even speaking to that thing, is a point of contact. What we call it's a place where you're like, okay, you know, I've got this going on in me. I'm no longer going to put up with this. Uh, you, have to, you have to get off my body in Jesus' name. Or when a, a believer lays hands on you, hands were laid upon me, and I believe that's the moment that I received healing. And then you don't change your confession. You stay with that. You stick with it. Because, um, you know, I learned a lot of things from Dad Hagen, and one of, the, one of the biggest things along the lines of healing that I learned, um, and he didn't even come up with it, but another minister had said it to him, and it's so true, is, I'll say it the way he said it, and then I'll explain it, is that more people lose their healing to a counterattack than any other one thing. Well, like, what does that mean? Well, what that means is, many times, even some of those examples I gave, where maybe I prayed for myself for healing, you know, I would immediately feel better, and it would immediately lift. But sometimes, like in the case of like a cold and flu like that, it was only for like 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. And then immediately all the symptoms would come back. Well, that's the point of like, what are you, you going to trust? Are you going to trust your senses? Are you going to trust what 
you just read in the word what you just stood on the word. You're going to say, no, I refuse to accept this. And so, um, again, I've, I've experienced it both ways, where I trusted and where I didn't. And uh, the reality is, uh, I think it's uh, Peter says, resist the devil and he will flee. And, uh, you know, one uh, dictionary says, run from you as in terror. And another translation says, resist him at his very onset. In other words, the, the moment you have a whiff that there's a sickness trying to get you, a disease trying to get you, you immediately resist. Why? Well, one of the big reasons is you don't want to experience uh, any bit of sickness and disease. But the other is, if you allow something to remain in your body for any length of time, it will wear on you. And it will wear you out. And when you're tired and weak, it can be really challenging to stand in faith. Right? I mean, I believe there's probably a lot of people that have died and gone to heaven too soon because they were just wore out. And I can't judge them and I wouldn't judge them. I mean, you just, sometimes you get and you're so like under this, you're like, I'm out of here. Paul said it's far better. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, But the point is that if you resist the devil at his very onset, the very second that you notice it, it's a whole lot easier to stand in faith, you know, for that little thing than it is uh, uh, when um, you're, say, like in Brother Hagin's condition where it took him 10 minutes to turn the page in the Bible one time. He was so out of strength to do that, right? So it's really important that we just resist immediately as soon as we notice. But the problem is a lot of times we don't notice because we're going about, we're working hard, we're doing that. You know, if you're like um, doing construction or anything like that, I used to not, until I started doing construction, I didn't understand like, how can this man be working and all of a sudden his hand's bleeding and it's all down here and he just keeps going, you know. But when you're in the middle of it and you're doing all this stuff, you know, a lot of times you don't even notice that. And it's the same thing as you go about through your... um, daily life, you may have something that's nagging at you, like maybe a back injury or something like that, and you're just kind of putting up with it. You don't even realize it, and you know, uh, before you know it, all of a sudden you're like, man, this is terrible. What is going on? And, uh, and then, uh, then you uh, address it. But Jesus came to show us that it's God's will to heal, and I think he did a pretty good job because he went teaching, preaching, healing everywhere he went. And he healed all. And really the place where you see he had the most difficulty was his own hometown uh, because of their unbelief. It said he could only, couldn't do mighty works there except for he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And um, because of their unbelief. So we realize that what we believe really has everything to do with what we experience. I don't want to go too far into this subject, but you know, there's gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and actually there's no faith required on the part of the person that's receiving that. But uh, you can all, and you won't be guaranteed that you would receive healing that way. It's only as the Spirit wills that He would manifest Himself through those ways. But it's a redemptive fact, according to Galatians 3.13, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, which contains every sickness and every disease. And so every believer um, is healed by the stripes of Jesus and is redeemed from the curse of the law and can receive that through faith in God. In other words, just through trusting God, this is what you said. And so that's like a guarantee. 
You know, there's no guarantee that you're going to have like the spectacular working of miracles manifestation in your life or the life of someone that you're ministering to. But I would like to say this, and that is, I believe that when you're ministering to someone and you're praying for them, that whatever gifts of the Spirit are necessary, whatever faith is necessary, whatever needs to be there for you to minister effectively to them is there. Mm -hmm. Right? The only limitation is their faith. Right? Jesus' own hometown. He couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So he was limited by their unbelief, not by his ability. And I can tell you as a, as a minister, um, most of the time when I'm praying for people, it's the faith of the person that limits what's happening. Not even my faith. Because I've prayed for people and not even engaged faith too much and watched them be healed. Now, I engage my faith when I'm praying for you and, and, and all of that, so I have a side to play as a minister. But really, you could have a minister that really didn't believe hardly anything. If you came in faith, you'd receive. Yeah. In other words, because why? You're not trusting the minister. You're really trusting God. You're looking to God, not looking to man. And if you look to God, you won't be disappointed. If you look to man, you'll be disappointed. Yeah, every time. Right? Yeah. Like, a, like a, that Higgins said, I couldn't heal a fly's eyeball. Or a gnat's wing. And uh, we traveled with him for a couple of years there. And you see real quick that some people were looking to him to do something. And, um, you know, if he wasn't able to personally go and pray for them, then they're like, oh, I guess I'm just going to remain in this condition. So their faith was in him, not in God. And so the best case scenario is that our faith is in God. But as we said last week, there's so many different ways that the Lord provided for us to receive healing. He wants you healed so bad. He wants me healed so bad that you're going to connect with one of those. And I'm going to connect with one of those. Romans 1.17 says, uh, It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's wonderful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else, God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what Scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting in Him really lives or really has life. Galatians 3, 11, and 12. The, uh, the obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does, does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. A fact observed in scripture, the one who does these things, the rule keeping, continues to live by them. Remember those early days when you first saw the light. Those were the hard times. Kicked around in public, targets on every kind of, of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You... Um, you were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up uh, most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. 
If he cuts and runs, he won't be hap- uh, I won't, excuse me, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh no, we'll stay in it and survive trusting all the way. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what pressure, no matter how long something has been there, uh, we just trust God all the way. And um, sometimes we don't understand at the moment why uh, something shows up the way it is. And uh, if you're uh, a Christian, you find out that uh, there's one place in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11 where it talks about the Lord's Supper. And it's the one place in all the New Testament where it gives a reason why there's sickness and disease in a Christian's body. And it's because we don't rightly discern the Lord's body. And there's a kind of a twofold meaning there. And that is because uh, you're not walking in love with other Christians. Or it's also because you don't understand, you don't discern and see that the Lord's body was broken for your healing, for your physical healing. So you may not know, people may not know. I went years and years and didn't know. I was going to add a third and years, but I wasn't that old. I was like 20 when I found out. So... It sounds a lot younger than what it used to. <laughs> so I went years and years, not years and years and years. <laughs> and um, then I begin to know. So sometimes the reason people don't trust God is they simply don't know. Like they don't know that Jesus is the healer. And when I found out he was the healer, I remember <laughs> I was in shock. I, I, I thought... And sometimes I still think back, maybe because I grew up for so long the other way, not understanding that, I, I remember just thinking, like, this is too good to be true. Like, how could this be true? Like, seriously? I don't have to, like, die of Alzheimer's like my grandfather did? I don't have to, like, be, like, uh, uh, planning for that and expecting that and, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, planning my life around that. So like, well, I got to retire at a certain age and do all this and this, 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 because you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so for me, uh, not having that disease in my body, but the potential of it would actually like curb my future and curb my plans and curb really God's plans for me because I would limit that. So I was in bondage bound like in chains to something that didn't even exist in my body Unless somehow that did at that point, I don't know, you know. But once once you found out like um, that you're not under the curse any longer, you've been redeemed from the curse, and you don't have to have that. And then you start to find out, well, it, like by your words you'll be condemned, or by your words you'll be justified. And you find out life and death are in the power of the tongue, you know. And uh, you start to realize, oh man, if I'm like planning for this yeah. and I'm speaking for this. I'm really believing that this is going to happen, so I'm setting it up so it can happen. I'm making, um, <clears throat> I like E.W. Kenyon, he says, like, confession is the tracks over which faith can carry its mighty cargo. So actually, what you're speaking, what you're saying, you make a pathway for things to come into your life. So I want to make a pathway for the things of God to come into my life, and the way that I do that is through the words of God, through what God said. And I'm going to say, whatever God said, that's what's going to happen in my life, not what the devil says. But the devil has no power uh, in your life if you're a believer except for what you give to him. Yeah, that's good. Right? So the power that he most generally tries to exert over you or over me is through our tongue. Because James said uh, that your whole body, the whole course of your life is actually driven and turned by this little thing right here. It's tongue. Can you talk like that? It's tongue. <laughs> 
your tongue and my tongue. And if you think about it for just a second, don't anybody raise your hand. Everybody look forward. Don't look at anybody else. <laughs> but the t- times when you've gotten in the most trouble were this little thing right here yeah. and your own tongue. And um, if you're in a relationship with anybody, you find out quickly that words are very powerful. And so words can ruin a relationship or they can make it flourish. And uh, Proverbs actually talks about, there is he that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So in your own body or in a relationship that you have, someone else's flesh even, you can destroy through your tongue or you can give life through your tongue. Let's look at Mark uh, chapter 11, verse uh, 23 through 25. Mark 11, 23 through 25. Of course, one of our favorite faith uh, passages of Scripture, I'll start with verse 22. Um, and Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Again, that sums up like any question you have, I'll give you the answer right now. Mark eleven twenty-two. have faith in God. And um, for verily I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So when do you have the things that you're desiring when you pray? It's after you believe that you receive them. So first you believe, you receive, and then you have. And of course, uh, my litmus test for almost everything is salvation, the salvation experience. So if you look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, when are you saved? After you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord. Then he recreates you in the likeness and image of God. But so when... You de- what things wherever you desire, when you pray, you believe, you receive, then you have. And so Brother Hagin was on that. You know, he, he had three incurable uh, diseases, and he was paralyzed from the waist down and uh, lots of different physical issues, incurable blood disease, deformed heart. And he meditated on that verse day after day till one day he looked and he saw, oh, wait a second, I see it. I have to believe that I'm healed before there is any evidence in my body that I'm healed. Then I receive it. So I actually have to believe that I have it, that I have received it before I see it, before I feel it, before, you know, in his case, he was paralyzed, so he didn't have any feeling from the waist down. So before he could do that, well, he was uh, on that bed, and so he said, okay, I believe that. And I'm really, like, condensing that testimony. But he said, okay, I believe I receive healing for my incurable blood disease, for the deformed heart, and for being paralyzed and every, everything right now. And then the Spirit of God spoke to him on the inside. You know, faith and the leading of the Spirit always go together. And so the Holy Spirit said, you believe you're well? Well, well people ought to be up at this time of the morning as an ordinary case. So the Holy Spirit led him like, get up. If you believe you're well, you get up. But how is somebody that's paralyzed going to get out of bed? So he said, he grabbed his, like, pant leg. He's laying down in the bed. He grabbed his pant leg and swung one leg over, and it hit 
like a log, he said. No feeling, nothing. So he grabbed the other one, same thing, just right over the bed, no feeling. And um, then he like pushed himself up, still felt nothing, still trusting God. As soon as he pushes himself up, he said all of a sudden it felt like somebody poured like a warm pail of honey on his head and it began to like settle down, down like this. And as soon as it, it kept going down and as soon as it got down to his legs, all of a sudden his legs hurt so bad. He said, but it was the best feeling in the world because he hadn't had any feeling in his legs. So all that tingling, all that life started to come back into his legs. And then he had, um, his, he had feeling in his legs. And so he stood up. He was still weak because he hadn't walked for like eight months, I think it was. And so he had to regain muscle and all those type of things. The Lord didn't like supernaturally just add all this muscle to him, but he was healed. And so then he began, you know, he got up, dressed himself, went to breakfast. And, you know, that's kind of the beginning of his testimony of, of faith in God. But he believed that he received before he felt anything or saw anything or noticed anything or noticed any difference. So it's really a condition of our heart. Like, am I trusting God in this or am I not? And, you know, he went on later to say, you know, I would trust God and say, by his stripes I'm healed if I had blood gushing from within me. And he had that happen, you know, where he's coughing up all this kind of blood, very alarming symptoms. And he was like, I just believe it. And, uh, you know, he was, of course, healed from that as well. And... Um, but if you look at verse uh, 25, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, uh, that your Father in heaven, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And then, of course, we probably, uh, if you don't know it, in James chapter 5, um, there's a wonderful healing uh, passage of Scripture. James chapter 5. No matter how many times I look for James before Hebrews, it's always going to be after. James chapter 5, verse 14, is any sick among you? Uh, this is talking to believers. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, uh, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, verse 16, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And uh, I just wanted to mention those two passages of scripture in that many times we're believers and we're like, okay, I see that, I know that, I, I see that I'm redeemed, I see that Jesus did that, why is this in my body? Well, I don't know how many times I can tell you, probably 25 to 30% of the time that I know of when I have prayed for people for healing, it's been uh, verse 25 of Mark 11 or James. In other words, excuse me, walking in unforgiveness with other people or other believers. Um, or in James where he says, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. He's not really saying, like, for you to go up to me or me to go up to you and tell you all my sins. Like, you know, I did this, I did this, I did this. No, it's really like you have something against me or I have something against you. If you have that, that'll actually stop healing from showing up in your body because you've got a, you've got a stronghold. The same thing in Mark 11, uh, 25. Uh, if you have ought against any, what does ought mean? Ought is like the smallest little thing against anybody. So I, I like do my best to keep that right. Or I, I don't care. I don't really want you to do something really bad to me <laughs> or talk bad about me. So I guess I do care about it, but I'm not going to hold on to that thing. Um, 
I'm going to say, okay, Lord, you know, I forgive them. They must not understand, you know, for whatever thing, I just release it. I just plead the blood of Jesus over them. And so I refuse to have animosity against anybody or any little thing against anybody because actually it'll keep you from being well. And um, uh, I didn't intend really to tell all the Brother Egan stories, but he, you know, he said the, he attributes his walking in divine health for so many years uh, really to walking in love. And those two verses of scripture right there, I mean, he didn't, wouldn't say those, but um, that he doesn't have animosity, didn't have animosity, didn't hold grudges, just like, no, I'm going to love him no matter what. I'm not going to get out of love because anything that you do out of love is sin. And even in the old covenant, God said, I'll take the sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days fulfill if you fulfill all of my commandments. And in the new covenant, Jesus said that all the commandments, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in this one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love, the commandment of love. And so we realize if we walk in love uh, with other people and with ourselves, that we can walk in health and healing. And sometimes as... uh, a Christian, you actually see like people that are uh, in the world more easily receive healing because that's the ministry that Jesus gave to the church. Really, uh, the old timers used to call healing the dinner bell. In other words, that's like on old farms, you'd have a bell that you'd ring so that the farmer could hear, hear and it's time to come eat. And um, I know you all are all too young to know that. But healing, when, when the world sees healing, that's something that the world doesn't have, yeah. right? I mean, they have medical science that can put you in a position for your body to heal itself. But really, like healing, any doctor that's honest will you tell you, I, I can't heal you. I can, now I can do everything in my power to put you, your body in a position <clears throat> to get healthy and be healed. But they really can't heal you. Uh, Jesus is the healer. And so we find out that in the church sometimes you may wonder like, well, why am I having this trouble? Because I believe this and I, and I see this, but there's certain things that can cause you or I to stumble up and put a blockade on divine healing power flowing through us and us walking in you know, what you would call health from heaven or divine health. And many times that's really just not walking in love. That's the easiest way you can boil it down is to not walk in love. And um, uh, as you walk in love and as you trust God, you'll find that uh, you have a lot less um, issue resisting the devil. I, I know, actually in James there, if you keep reading, he talks about that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, yeah. makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. And dynamic is like it's a, it's a strong, moving force. And... I used to be in a denominational church down in Georgia. And I remember reading that and thought, man, if I could just get to be righteous, man, I could pray and things would happen. And then I learned like, whoa, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been made righteous through Jesus Christ. And so, and then I remembered after I learned that, I thought, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I remember that one, I don't know why, but that prayer scripture always stood out to me. And I thought, whoa, 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 that means when I pray, things happen. And so you find out if you have, um, if you're a, a, if you want to be the most miserable person alive, I want you to become a Christian if you're not, and then don't live like it. 
<laughs> because you've got like the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, your own spirit. You've been made a new creature, and that new creature's not really happy with you or I like being a jerk or hating people or doing all that type of stuff. And so you got this internal battle going on that Paul talks about in Romans, and you find it's not it's not the best life to live. And so that's why you can find Christians that you think, man, you should be the happiest person in the world. But they're the saddest people in the world. And, you know, because you're trying to um, go against the grain, right? Because you're not, you can't do that anymore and enjoy that. You know, some people, I know people that got born again, they used to like get drunk all the time and, um, you know, uh, have illicit sexual relations. And then it's like they got saved and that ruined it for them. <laughs> like, but I don't enjoy that anymore because why we have a new nature. And so if you or I, are going to try and not walk in forgiveness with people and hold grudges against people and live the life that Jesus intended, uh, you'll find that you don't even have faith to pray. You don't have faith to receive from God because you got this little thing kind of in your conscience bothering you. Like, you know, you really should take care of that. And um, the time that it gets me the most often, I'll close with this, is, you know, we're, uh, in the Word of God we learn that if you're a man and you have something against your wife, like the Lord won't even hear your prayer, right? And so you're kind of like, especially as a minister, you're kind of like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. Let's, let's work on this message. And, and you just feel like, like the Lord's got his back to you. You're, I really would like to talk to you. I really would like you to talk to your wife, you know? And then um, you find real quickly that uh, you don't make a connection with God when you're not walking the way that you know you're supposed to walk, when you're not walking in love. And that many times is why um, you'll have sickness or disease that stays attached to your body. And I have learned for myself over the years that um, sometimes I believe that I'm walking in love, but if I don't take time to examine myself, I I'm really not in some areas. And when I take time to examine and I say, okay, Lord, you search my heart. You show me if there be any wicked way in me. You, you look and see. Um, and, and you're like, oh, you, you, think, <laughs> you think that's an issue, Lord? <laughs> and uh, uh, so, sometimes we can um, not realize where we're at, where the Lord always knows where we're at, and he can always help us. And the good thing about going to him is it's not like going to um, a friend or a spouse or anybody else like that that's imperfect. He's perfect. And he perfectly loves you and he perfectly knows you and he has set forth a plan for you and for me uh, that when he speaks, it's complete love. So I never feel, I've never felt condemned talking to the Lord about anything I've done because he's always right there saying, I got your back. I took care of this before you even thought about doing that. I took care of it. Uh, I made a provision for it and more than enough provision. So um, God is good, and he's a healer, and he's our healer today. And even if you look at Moses, you know, when the Israelites were uh, whining and complaining that the vipers started biting them and everything, and then uh, in order to be healed, Moses had to make this brass serpent, put it on a pole, and then they, anybody that looked at that, they would live and be healed. And that was, of course, just a shadow of what Jesus was to be for us and what Jesus is for us. And so any of us that look to him with a, I love how the Amplified says that, a steady, constant, expecting gaze, 
like attentive, I think it's also in there. And so you look at Jesus, uh, the healer, with that gaze, that constant gaze, and you really can't be focused on all these other things that are going on around you. You really can't be focused on, well, this pain and that pain and, you know, uh, this happened, but I did this, I did that. Really, if you and I just look at Jesus, everything else kind of becomes insignificant, and then we can just receive from him that is our healer. And then his life can just flow in us and through us. And he's really set up such an awesome, awesome plan for us. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our healer, that you sent Jesus to deliver us from all the power of the enemy, including every sickness and every disease, those that are named and those that aren't even named. Father, we thank you that you have set us free um, by the stripes of Jesus and by the power of his blood. Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you uh, were in God's house, but you, you backslid, you went away, or if you're listening online and that's you, um, I'd like you to come forward and I'll pray with you and for you, or you can email us online, info at anchordc, A-N-C-H-O-R-D-C.org, and we'll pray with you and for you, get some great materials into your hands. If you're here this morning and you would like to have hands laid on you, you'd like us to pray the prayer of agreement with you, um, we'd be more than happy to do that. It's always a good time to activate your faith as soon as you've heard the word of God and um, then you just receive and believe and um, you'll see the glory of God show up in your life. So if that's you, you can come forward right now or you can come forward after the service and we'll pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Um, your word, we thank you that your word is powerful, that your word penetrates to the deepest part of our being. We thank you that you know, your word sown this morning in our lives is affecting us even now, that you sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us. In Jesus' name, amen.